Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. Your baseball is being played in a pandemic home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, and you can find us by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sarah Sanchez, and I write about baseball again for Bleed Cubby Blue. Hi, guys. I'm Andy Cruz-Vanasek, and I cannot believe that this day is finally here. We talked about this weeks ago when it happened, and it is here. So I'm extremely excited. You'll be able to tell here shortly. (laughs) Yes, it is opening day, and we are fired up. Uh, We are also really lucky to be joined by a special guest today. Shakia Taylor is a freelance writer who lives in Chicago and never fails to make me think critically about baseball and its history. Her work can be found in a bunch of places, the Hardball Times, SB Nation, Baseball Prospectus, and more. And we're thrilled that she agreed to join us for this historic preview of Pandemic Baseball. Shakia, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. I am excited to be here. Uh, We are so stoked that you are here. You have no idea. Uh, Let's jump into it. There is a ton of news. It is Opening day with a few hours to go before the Washington Nationals and the New York Yankees are supposed to play. I I say supposed to play because there are rumors that that game might get rained out, which at this point, that just might be a sign from God that we're not supposed to do this. Um, I I don't know, y'all. I'm still like super conflicted about this whole baseball thing, but it looks like it is going to be it looks like it is going to happen so before we jump into some of the exhibition games that happened earlier this week, let's just talk about what pandemic baseball is going to be like and what we're expecting. I am so nervous, particularly as news leaked out earlier today, that Washington National right fielder Juan Soto has tested positive for COVID-19. Shaki, I know you're fired up about this. What do you think? Cancel the season. I mean, five hours before the first game of the pandemic season was supposed to start, we find out that Juan Soto tested positive for COVID, which means he's already played in an exhibition game. It took two days for them to get the positive results back. Someone else is going to have it. And someone else is going to share it if this game is played tonight. Um, I haven't watched too many of, you know, the um, summer camp games, if you will, but I, the ones I have seen, they aren't really wearing masks. They aren't not spitting. There's not too much social distancing happening. This is a nightmare waiting to happen. Um, I actually was talking about this on Facebook, but I briefly posted as my, my status today that um, 2020 is um, consistent with the drama and the chaos, like just every day. And America is that woman in the horror movie who is like running up the stairs instead of getting out of the house, you know what I mean? (laughs) And That's perfect. (laughs) That is where we are with pandemic baseball. Is it gonna happen? How many games are we actually gonna get through before there's like widespread positive tests? Yeah, I am. I, I'm conflicted about this for the same reason. I mean, as people who have been listening to the show the last couple of episodes or reading the last few entries of my diary of a life without baseball, which transitioned to the pandemic baseball chronicles today. No, I, I am. This does not seem like a good idea. Uh, I cannot. I agree with you 100%. I cannot imagine that Juan Soto did not infect somebody on the Washington Nationals, possibly somebody on the Baltimore Orioles who they played a couple of days before. I just, 
MLB's testing and contact tracing plan does not seem to be that robust. And, and I also noticed what you noticed about masking and how different teams and different players are doing it differently. Like the Cubs were really good about this. And so were all of their coaches. And the second they started playing the White Sox, I could see coaches with like the mask, not over the nose or just not on period. And then the masks were gone. And I'm like, wait, wait, we were doing good. (laughs) Andy, what do you think? So I just have to say, like, I obviously was just as conflicted for so long. And, you know, you really want baseball. You really need feel like you need baseball. But also there's that side of you that wants to, you know, err on the side of caution. Like, this is just going to be a nightmare. It's just going to, you know, we're going to have baseball for a couple weeks and there's going to be major outbreaks everywhere. Well, I guess I can say personally, I didn't really take it as serious until like other like real life decisions came up that I had to make because that baseball was not a decision that I was making. So like, it's not up to me whether or not they play a season, but when it came time to like decide on school, what we're going to do with that this week, then I was really like, how can I feel so strongly about keeping my children home for the first semester, but yet be okay with baseball happening? Like, it's just, I'm so, I'm even more conflicted now because I just know, like, you know, thinking about the process of what happens if my children go to school, it's 10 times worse on some of these games that I've been watching over the past week. I'm like, you know, they're, they're, they're giving high fives. They're, they're still doing all the stuff they're not supposed to be doing. It's just, it's quite alarming. And I mean, I really, honestly, I'm going to say the same thing that I said about school. I don't see it happening the full 60 games. I really see it being an issue. Yeah, I think that's on point. And I think that kind of captures the mood, dread feeling that I've had about this entire endeavor. And I, you know, we're going to talk about the games. We're going to talk about the players. We're going to talk about fun things that we've been seeing happening. But I think all of it just needs a giant asterisk right now, because every time I get excited about baseball, and y'all know, baseball is my favorite thing outside of like my family. It is my earliest and longest relationship in my life outside of like the people who I like literally my family. Um, But I, this does not seem like it's a good idea. Uh, And so we're going to, we're going to talk about it. We're going to let you know everything you need to know, but I agree with Andy. I do not see this going 60 games. It's such a terrible uh, idea already in that MLB, they aren't even following what they said would be their protocol. If they were to follow their protocol, then tonight's games should be canceled. Juan Soto and everyone who has come in contact with him should be quarantining. However, owners, lots of money at stake, yada, yada, yada. You know how that goes. Yeah, TV time slots, don't forget about that because that's huge right now with all these Mm. the TV dollars that they're getting. 100%. All right, so with that huge caveat, which I'm sure will come up as we talk a little bit more, um, you know, these these exhibition, exhibition games have been a little weird, but still fun. They're fanless, but they're piping in crowd noise and trying to make it seem as normal-ish as possible. Uh, the Cubs looked absolutely terrible against the White Sox, but it was really just like two bad innings. You Darvish had a terrible first inning and then really seemed to settle down. And Jarrell Cotton looked not great uh, at that first exhibition game at Wrigley Field. But beyond that, the bats seemed okay. Wilson Contreras is on fire, which y'all know that's like my favorite thing that's happened so far. Uh, He's just hitting home runs every direction on the field. He's just like a spray chart of home runs right now. 
Andy, what has jumped out at you so far about the exhibition games you've been watching? Well, I really liked what we saw from um, John Lester uh, yesterday. He looked, I mean, like John Lester of old. It was quite impressive. And, you know, it was funny because I just kept reading people posting on on Twitter. They just kept saying, just stay healthy. Don't get hurt. Not too many pitches. You know, stuff like that. Because, you know, obviously, age-wise, age that's a concern for him right now. You know, he's on the back end of his contract and he's, you know, been a workhorse for us for many seasons. So as far as eating up innings and that sort of thing. So you definitely want to watch what he's doing and when he's doing it, if he needs to be doing it. So, you know, I mean, I was really impressed with what I saw there. He looked really good. Um, You know, I really would love to see Dylan Maples come through (laughs) one of these outings I like every, every pitch. I was like, come on, Dylan. I mean, he had what? Two pass balls, two runs scored on two pass balls. Can I flag on play on the pass ball thing? Because yes, (laughs) like pass balls. Well pitched, sorry. Well pitched. Those were definitely not catchable baseballs. Dylan Maples throws a pitch that is so nasty that nobody knows where it's going. And it, you can't blame Wilson Contreras for missing those balls. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to get all the I was kind of saying that tongue in cheek when I was saying he had two pass balls because I'm blaming him, obviously, but they, they scored him as pass ball, or they said they scored him as pass ball. They did. Yeah. So I didn't. Yeah. I just, you'd like to see him be able to, um, I don't know. I didn't feel like him and Wilson were on the same page for that, that particular sequence of pitches. It was uh, not exactly pretty. And I think, both of those two two runs scored on the same batter. I think it was the same batter for both oh, of those yeah. runs, which was hard to watch. But um, Dwayne Underwood Jr. looked amazing. He was definitely a bright spot. Contreras looks locked in, ready to go. Um, you know, I, I'm just I'm excited to see if this bullpen can put some stuff together. That's what I'll be interested in. I feel like there's enough of them that have enough different things going on that they won't all have the same bad days. They won't all have the same good days. So I kind of feel like the bullpen might be a little bit of a roller coaster, but I'm hoping that the offense pulls through and gives us a lot to cheer about the 60 game sprint. (laughs) Yeah. The 16 game or 16 pitcher staff is definitely going to be a thing with the bullpen. Although shout out to Casey Sadler who got named to the Cubs 30 man roster and was just so excited on Twitter. If you've not seen that, check it out. We'll re- we'll retweet it from the at Cup of Cubby Blue account so you can see it. Shakia, what have you noticed in these exhibition games so far? What are you looking for as we jump into this sprint of a season? Oh, well, I got to be honest. I haven't watched the Cubs. I watched Cleveland and Pittsburgh um, for personal reasons. Oh, <laughs> um, and uh, well, I really, it's been hard to even get into it. You know, um, I have comments on pitching where I'm like, uh, I feel like we kind of got to give pitchers a break um, because they didn't have enough time, so to speak, to work out with coaches and trainers and everything feels very rushed. And while I'm sure they were working on their own, I think it's a little bit different. And that seems to be what a lot of uh, players have been saying. You know, it was just different working out without my coach, working out without the trainers. Right. Um feeling like I'm not getting that guidance. So I feel like the beginning of this, assuming we get into a few games, we'll see some up and down from a lot of pitchers. But then if they are allowed to kind of establish um, momentum, I think the pitching will get better. 
as far as the hitting though, um, just looking at some of these scores or looking at some of the feedback from people, there's a lot of hitting happening. So we might be in for 60 games of dingers and I would be all in because <laughs> what the world absolutely needs is a home run race. That's what we need. Um, if we can get one, I know I keep putting these caveats out there, but I don't know, y'all. I don't see this going that long. And if it does, how many people do we lose along the way? I I can't even wrap my head around the idea that they would play a season where they would lose, like knowingly lose a player. I get like, it hurts a part of my soul in a way that I, I just can't, I can't even finish a sentence about it. Um, I totally hear you on us needing a home run race though like emotionally that would be super fun and I look I I'm not like I don't know anything there have been no tests on the 2020 ball to my knowledge the people that study home run balls and all that jazz have not really been able to get their hands on enough of them to know if the ball is juiced but the ball kind of still looks juiced right like <laughs> Albert Alvora Jr hit a ball to Waveland the other day y'all and that's <laughs> like oh no yeah. That's yeah. not a thing. Like, yeah. he can't do that. See, I want to believe that that's natural power because Albert Amore <laughs> Jr. is A.C. Slater to me. Just look at how he yeah. carries himself, how he oh wears his hair, his jewelry. <laughs> Albert Amore is A.C. Slater, and A.C. Slater could absolutely hit a ball on Waveland, so Albert Amore Jr. can too. You cannot tell me any different. That is what I believe. That is outstanding. We're not going to do any better on that segment. So we're we're going to move on a bit. But Shakia, you mentioned that you watched some Pittsburgh games. And I want to talk about this a little bit because Pittsburgh was one of the places that the Blue Jays were hoping they'd be able to play. And this just like freaked me out to no end. So for those that weren't following the story, the Blue Jays were denied the ability to play their games in Canada because Canada has a public health system that works. And they decided it was too risky to have MLB teams from hotspots in the United States flying into Canada all summer long and risking their COVID numbers becoming our COVID numbers. So the Blue Jays were looking for a place to play and they don't want to play in a minor league park because minor league parks aren't taken care of that well. So they wanted a major league park and thought it would be Pitt Pittsburgh. I, I was appalled by this because that defeats the whole point of why the leagues are like, regionally clustered and staying in the central east and west time zones like you would be introducing all of the risk from the eastern zone into the central zone because the blue jays want a nicer clubhouse and i'm i'm curious shakia because you must have thoughts on this one what do you think of this blue jays situation first of all is it not another reflection of the league in that nobody thought to holler at canada nobody <laughs> thought to be like hey before we put this schedule out there, before we, you know, figure out how we're going to do this, are y'all cool with this? You know, like, it's, that part just blows my mind. But that aside, um, I agree with you in that sharing the clubhouse is obviously going to become an issue. Um, just cancel it. I know. <laughs> I can't keep saying that for this entire time. I promise I'll try to temper it a little bit. But this is so bad. An entire country said no to baseball. An entire country. But here, 
in the United States, the Florida of the world, we're like, yeah, just just bring it to us. <laughs> like we'll we'll deal with it. Never mind that, you know, this is a complete mess. And I believe the reason why the Blue Jays had an issue with minor league parks was because of there was like a light problem. Yeah. It wasn't MLB standards. And nobody thought about any of this in advance. Right. These people have so much money and nobody was like, you know, we should probably talk to that one team that's on the other side of the border. <laughs> well, two things there, because I think you captured it brilliantly with the whole like Canada said no, right? Like the whole country was just like, no, we don't we don't want your stupid plan. It's not going to work. This is not safe for our people. And I guess two things come to mind there for me. One is that MLB is so used to just getting what they want. Just like anything happened, anything that the commissioner asked for, they have an antitrust exemption from Congress. They get to do whatever they want. This is part of the reason that minor league parks are in disarray anyway, because they don't keep them up the way that they should for their minor league players. But that's a rant for a podcast on a different day. And they're so used to every government official just like checking the box that I don't think the commissioner's office really seriously put in put a contingency plan in place for what if Canada says no? <laughs> like, what if the answer is no? And related to that, the public health officials in Pittsburgh actually just denied the Blue Jays request to use PNC Park for the same reason. And what's interesting there is that it wasn't like the mayor or the governor. It was literally the public health administration being like, it is not safe for the Blue Jays who are going to be going back and forth from Florida all the time to come into Pittsburgh. We don't want it. It's kind of a shame that scientists and doctors, I'm including them in there because medicine is a science, have to say, hey, listen to us. <laughs> we're the people who know what we're talking about. And realistically, if you listen to medical professionals with regard to the two teams sharing a stadium, then you should listen to them throughout all of this. And that doesn't seem to be happening on multiple levels. Yeah, that is... Listening to our public health experts just seems like such a basic thing we should be able to agree on during a pandemic. And I know how we got to the part where we can't do that, but it's also just so disheartening. Speaking of which, uh, if Major League Baseball does in fact open on Thursday night, the first pitch of the MLB season is supposed to be thrown out by Dr. Anthony Fauci. And I love this. Like, Dr. Fauci is a known Nationals fan. He's a huge fan. He's done a couple of different YouTube shows with Ryan Zimmerman this offseason that have been great, where he's given a ton of information about the public health implications for baseball and other stuff. And Andy, I'm curious, what do you think of life? Like, well, I guess he couldn't be a lifelong Nationals fan because that doesn't work at all. But diehard Nationals fan, Anthony Fauci throwing out the first pitch of this crazy pandemic baseball season. I mean, if you're going to pick somebody in 2020, that's probably who you pick, right? I mean, it, you know, it, it just... It so much matches what we're experiencing in this time right now. I mean, definitely, you know, we should always celebrate our health professionals and people that are keeping us safe and trying to, you know, tell us every day the risks and, and factors and what we do. And yeah, that's definitely one way to say, you know, we, we, we owe these people a lot. So we definitely give him a wave and let him throw the first pitch. Why not? I mean, that's perfect. It definitely, I mean, without those people telling us and informing us and keeping us up to date on what is going on, there's absolutely no chance of any of this happening. So yeah, it's perfect. It works for me. 
Yeah, it works for me too. I also loved that he testified in front of Congress in a Washington Nationals mask, which I thought was just like so on, like that was near and dear to my heart. It reminded me, Andy, actually of you tweeting out the Cubs masks that your mom made you. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's definitely, that's a heartstring thing for me. Yeah, for sure. Outstanding. All right. We need to take a quick break for our sponsors. But on the flip side, we are going to talk about a lot of things, including Mookie Betts, who has signed the second largest contract ever to be a Dodger for the next 12 years, y'all. And no, I do not know why the Cubs can't do this. Uh, We're also going to talk about the Comcast marquee rumors that have popped up today. We're going to look at some history that has been made in exhibition games. And of course, we're going to talk about expanded playoffs. But first, a word from our sponsors. Okay, so every offseason, Cubs fans sit and twiddle their thumbs while we wait to hear if Chris Bryant has been extended or Javier Baez has been extended or Wilson Contreras has been extended or Anthony Rizzo has been extended, and we get nothing. And it took the Dodgers like 47 seconds to sign a monster contract with Mookie Betts. Shakia, what is going on with this? I don't even (laughs) help. First. Get your money, young man. Get your money. Talk about, like, securing the bag here, right? Like, 12 years, $365 million. My man is set in L.A. And I think what this says is, first of all, the money is there. All these teams are such liars and that they don't have this money, et cetera, et cetera. The money is there. Everyone's playing cheap. Hopefully, this extension will sort of start to correct things, right? Like people will see this and stop lowballing players. <clears throat> Cleveland. Um, <laughs> yes. I I love this for Mookie. LA is big time. And coming from Boston, that's got to be a completely different environment for him. I think they made him feel welcome. They made him feel wanted because the way he left Boston it's still kind of sour. So he got yep. 365 million ways to sweeten that up. Like, goodbye, Boston. And, <laughs> you know, like, it was a good time while I was there. I think this is great for him. I think this is great for the sport. We now have someone who is a non-white ball player in yes. prime position out here. And this can't be anything but good. It can't be anything but good. Well, I love a couple of things that you said there, which one, yeah, Mookie, get yours. Like, this is great. I, I, the Boston Red Sox are my second favorite team. I lived in Boston for six years. I was horrified at the way the Red Sox treated the guy who was arguably the best player in the game, but probably the second best player if we're being honest. But really, like, how do you let a talent like that just go because you're pretending John Henry doesn't have any money, which is just like, it's such a lie. It's such a It's such an obvious lie, but it's a lie that all of these Cubs, all of these clubs, sorry, uh, Freudian slip there, sell to us time and time again that like the Ricketts are broke or whatever. I mean, Andy, how do you feel about this from a Cubs fan perspective? I mean, from a Cubs fan perspective, like this is our worst nightmare. (laughs) Like like we got made a fool of by LA in a matter of about five minutes because they took care of one of their best players, their best player, one of the best players in baseball. And because they're not stupid enough to let anybody else snatch him up, which is exactly what would have tried to happen this offseason. There would have been 
a line of, of teams going after him. So they knew they valued him. They paid him. I mean, good on him. He's, he's a good ball player. I, I, that lineup scares the bejesus out of me. I don't know as a Cubs fan that that's even a team I want to think about playing down the line in, in our 60 game sprint. But I mean, good for Mookie Betts. I'm all about this. This is like, like Shakia said, totally a hundred percent good for the game. I think I read this is the largest baseball contract as of right now. I imagine that it will only go up from here. But, I mean, for a young black man to have this who is one of the best in baseball right now, I love it. 100% this is one of the best things that could have happened this offseason. I think it might be second to Trout still, but you're absolutely right about everything else. And the only reason I bring that up is because it would be epic to be able to say that Mookie Betts was the highest paid player in baseball. But I, either way... He had, he got a great deal and this is good stuff. And frankly, like I love the Cubs core. I will always be grateful for the 2016 world series, but if they are not going to pay Wilson Contreras, Javier Baez, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo and Kyle Schwarber, what they deserve, those players should walk. They, there should not be another hometown discount for Anthony Rizzo. And there shouldn't be a single hometown discount for any of those other players. There's money to be had and the Cubs should pay it. Speaking of money to be had, some of that money was supposed to come from the addition of Marquee Sports Network, which is the <laughs> Cubs attempt to do like the Y'all are already laughing. This is going to be a great segment. Uh, which was the Cubs attempt to do what the Yankees did with Yes Network, what the Dodgers did with Sportsnet LA, although that did not work out very well um, in the short term. And it has just not gone very well. Comcast customers in Chicago are furious about Marquee. Every day my Twitter is like trending Comcast, trending Xfinity, right? Like because they can't watch any of the games or content. This morning, uh, Al Yellen at Bleed Cubby Blue broke that there is a deal that it, that should happen before the first game tomorrow. Um, that buzz has been sort of like, running the rumor mill in Cubs Twitter all day that there is an inevitable deal. I think Jed Hoyer said something on 670 The Score this afternoon that also indicated a deal was super close. But let's talk about this marquee thing for a second, because I just don't think this has gone particularly well. And Shakia, what do you think about marquee? Well, I wanted to boo, but that would be rude. Um... (laughs) They did it at Cubs convention. Tom Ricketts got booed at Cubs convention when he brought up Marquee Sports Network. So you would not be alone. I remember that. I actually was there and I was in the media room and I stuck my head out like, damn, why are they booing? <laughs> um, so I was actually really impressed. Um, my thing about this deal is <clears throat> why didn't anyone think to do this before completely shifting gears why would you lose one of your largest hometown cable markets and right now they really need comcast you know subscribers that's me i have comcast um i i it just didn't make sense to me why would you just completely say we're gonna go ahead with this even though we lose a large number of people when the idea is to make money from your own network the more eyes, the more money, right? So all of these lies that they're telling, you know, we don't have any money, we need to make money from the network, you need to do a deal with Comcast, and you should have done it before you even announced it. I feel like that's one of the things, Comcast should have been in the bag before we even knew that Marquee was an idea. 
right? It should have been like, we have dotted our I's and crossed our T's. We're going to put this out there now. But they didn't. So now some of us may be able to catch some games. Some of us may not. Um, and MLB could have kind of given us a bandage and allowed us to watch the games on MLB TV. Yep. Uh, like either give us Comcast or remove the blackout. Oh, 100% on blackouts. Blackouts are the bane of my existence. And like, shout out to all the people who like baseball in Iowa that can't watch anything because they're blacked out from six teams despite not having a single team in their state, which is just crazy. I agree with you that it this should have been wrapped up a lot more smoothly. There should have been some sort of deal with Comcast ready to go. I think they overestimated their hand. Like, I think they thought that because the Cubs are the largest sports draw for TV networks in Chicago, that they would just be able to strong arm this and it would, and it would all be okay. And that that's how deals are made and that's how negotiations work. And so it would be fine. They definitely didn't plan on the season getting truncated because of a pandemic. They definitely didn't plan on having to launch a network without baseball content. Right. I mean, that has been, that's hard. I can't even imagine how you do that. You don't have games. You time your launch for games and then there are no games. But they also, I think, misjudged a little bit how pressure was going to be put on Comcast because I think they envisioned like a bunch of Cubs fans calling Comcast every day and being like and demanding marquee sports network, which is how you would get a deal done. And instead, it seems like fans were just furious that there was an attempt to like take baseball away from them and no explanation of how they were supposed to get baseball back. You know, that's at least what I hear. Oh, yeah, they I were mad at the team. That's the yeah. right person. That's the right place to direct the anger. Comcast didn't pull the Cubs off Comcast. The Cubs did. So be <laughs> mad at the right people. And I watch Cubs games all the time, except that one game from that one day in November. <laughs> I don't Sorry. watch that one. But, um, <laughs> but I just feel like this whole thing just lacks organization where are the women like somebody yes. in that room should have been like listen here this is not how this is going to work they should have project managed it put everything on a communication timeline establish a cadence you can tell this is what I do for work like, <laughs> like there is a way that this could have been done where fans should have seen no issues there should have been no it shouldn't have been in the news this just could have been handled differently. And I support every fan who is upset. I really do. Because this also affects bars and restaurants because they don't all have, you know, what is it, direct TV? They don't all have that either. And I remember thinking about uh, asking bars, like, do you have this particular cable package? Because it's going to affect everybody's bottom line. I think when this first came out, the Nisei uh, Lounge Twitter account mentioned that there weren't very many bars even in Wrigleyville that have DirecTV. Sorry for the awkward pause there. I, I have uh, MLB Network muted in the background right now and Howie Kendrick is taking batting practice in a Black Lives Matter shirt and I just almost like <laughs> fell over because <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, let's get back to Nisei for a second then we'll return to Howie Kendrick and the start of the season potentially that's going to happen. Tonight, I 
the access question is huge. I mean, I remember how frustrated I was before they did the deal with RCN. And I was just furious about it. I live in a building that is five blocks from the field. And I am like, how is it possible that I'm not going to be able to watch these baseball games because there's no deal with the the only cable provider I can use, right? Like, I don't get a choice. My building's one of those buildings that has, um, what do you call it, like a deal with one cable provider. So it's not like I can go shop around or anything. I was like, I'm going to have to watch RCN. And it was frustrating. And I don't blame fans one bit for being frustrated and absolute retweet on what you were saying about having a communications plan, because it really feels like this didn't get explained to the fan base well at all. They just sort of thought the fans would rise up and force the networks to make a deal. Andy, I know you're dealing with something similar with the regional sports networks and St. Louis. Tell me what you're thinking about the marquee stuff from where you sit. Well, it just makes me sad because, um, like, I love Taylor McGregor. And thus far, she's done a really fantastic job. It is not up to her whether or not Marquis is on Comcast or not. And I swear to God, that poor girl can't post anything on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or anywhere without people just diving into her mentions and yelling at her about how they can't see her on Marquis. Listen, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I would be frustrated, like I've said a million times. I don't feel that pain directly because I'm in a different market altogether. But if I were there, I would be angry too. She is not the one. <laughs> like, let, let the poor girl go. You know, she's just trying to do her job. I just, I feel bad for her. But yeah, I mean, you definitely feel the frustration every time Marquis is mentioned in just about anything. And I mean, it's, it's warranted. It's definitely something that has, has been coming because of how awfully this has been handled and, I, like you guys both said, the strong arming, that was, that was the word I was going to use. It, it's, it's just, it, it's very apparent that they thought they could just throw their weight around when the time came and it would just fall into place. And that's just not the way it works. And, you know, it, it, it really exposed them for being very unprepared in that aspect of it. And it, it's, it's very disappointing. And I really hope, you know, let's make everybody's day with not only opening day for Cubs, but put a deal together so that half of your, your major market there can watch them. There's no fan base, really, no disrespect to anyone else, as committed as Cubs fans, as as loud as Cubs fans, as delightfully obnoxious about their <laughs> team as Cubs fans. You would think that ownership would be like, we got to keep these people happy. They are on our side as long as they are happy. Let's give them TV. This isn't hard. It's not rocket science. Access to the game is how you grow the game. Just think about, there are stories uh, from, I'm about to do a little history thing, I'm sorry. But no, like, that's good. in the 80s, TV was pirated in Belize. And in present day, there are tons of Belizean Cubs fans because they had access to it through pirated TV, right? Like, Access is how you grow the fan base. It's how you grow the game. It's why Cubs gear is sold in places where they don't even play. It's like, this is such an iconic team, right? Wrigley Field is everything. It doesn't matter who anybody supports. They don't even have to like baseball. They like seeing Wrigley Field. They like seeing it on TV. It's storied. Why would you take that away from people for even temporary you're an idiot if you want to make money and you're like, psych, we're just going to deal with this. No, 
Yeah, I I totally agree with you. The fans deserve baseball. And look, I, I am here literally recording this podcast because of WGN. Because I grew up in rural Utah where there was no baseball around in sight, but I could watch 90% of Cubs games. And so I did. <laughs> and that that brought me through a long and circuitous route to where I am today. But it is just unbelievable to me that the Cubs have put themselves in a situation where 60% of Chicago can't watch the team. And so I hope these rumors of a Comcast deal are true because those fans need baseball and want baseball just as much as as the rest of us. But this is like a object lesson in how not to roll out a big media experience. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to move away from our show notes for one second to go back to the Howie Kendrick image. Cause that was just, that made my heart just like sore. I never thought I'd see the day where MLB would be embracing the Black Lives Matter movement the way that they start have started to. I, I don't think it's perfect in any way, shape, or form. And I certainly, um, MLB has a lot of work to do. But that was quite cool, as was their defense of Giants players who knelt on the field a couple of nights ago. Andy, I know you've been thinking a lot about this lately. What were your reactions with that? Well, I want to mention because you had said he that um, Howie Kendrick was taking batter, batting practice with that shirt on. I did read some notes today about um, some things that you'll see on opening day for all the teams that Major League Baseball has kind of, I don't want to say pushed on them, but is allowing them to do. I don't know how much more down the road we'll see it, but they can either, they can do Black Lives Matter or they can do United for Change. Um which to me was a little disappointing. I would like them to just streamline what they're doing and go with it. Um, but they can, you'll see like the, the batting practice shirts. And um, I think they are all doing patches on the sleeves. They're doing wristbands and major league baseball has also lifted the cleat restrictions. So they are allowed to basically do whatever they want on their shoes, which I'm sure we'll see some very interesting shoes this year because there's, some very young, young players that have great taste and style. So that'll be interesting to see. But um, I actually want to defer this question to Shakia because I would like to hear what she has to say about this. Are you sure? Yes, um, 100%, lady. Yes. yes. So I hated that tweet uh, because it is political. It is political. Kneeling is political. Human rights, political. It is all political. Stop saying it's not. It's a lie. We need to stop softening the message right now. And I feel like MLB is doing a real good job of taking the steam out of a very important time in history. Um, I tweeted something. It was Salt Bay, you know, sprinkling a little salt. And I put the caption, you know, live look at MLB sprinkling Black Lives Matter over racist policies, because that's what it is now. They haven't done anything. It's so performative. You know, we get, we got all these signs and we got murals on the streets and, you know, every account is tweeting their black players consistently now. Why did it take today? Why did it take now for this to happen? Let's step back and take a long look at why all of the performance is happening, but nothing real. And I think fans you know are so caught up in the look of things that 
they need to take a moment and dig a little deeper, like work a little harder, ask for more. We can't be satisfied with shirts, you know, and small things and tweets and banners. And there has to be some changes. And MLB is doing this thing that a lot of corporations are doing. And it's, you know, behaving like they recently discovered Black people. And all of a sudden, all these photos of players, like they've been in the league. You could have been promoting these players all along, but you weren't. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about why all of a sudden your accounts across social media went from cosplaying Black people and cosplaying our voices and using, you know, AAVE, African-American vernacular English, for those who don't know what that is. Like, let's talk about the issues. We can't just keep putting these very pretty, you know, gifs and photos and moments on top of a movement. They, there has to be organizational and systemic change from the top down. This just feels like MLB was like, you know what? We'll take your little protest, but we're going to pull all of the steam out of it. Even with the kneeling, no one actually said why they were kneeling. They just said they were kneeling. Did you all notice that? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a, and again, I'm not saying these, these performative things aren't things that matter to some people, but for myself as a black fan, they gotta, they gotta do more than that. They have to dig deeper. Like, this is not the time to be cute with it. It's, it's ugly. Anti-racist work is nasty. It is ongoing. It is a process. It is not something to be taken lightly. And I have personally been trying to find a balance. Like, yes, this is cool, but also what else are you gonna do? And I keep asking that. I feel like that's the only thing we can do. We can accept these things as cool and awesome and fun and great, but also we got to ask for more. We we absolutely have to because, you know, posting a Black Lives Matter uh, sign, it doesn't change the fact that, what is it, less than 10% of the league is African-American, right? Like, let's, and then we also need to talk about demographics because not all Black people are American. So you're missing an entire thing here where there are Afro-Latinos. Let's talk about those players. Let's get them in the mix. There's so many, so many levels that I feel like opportunities are being missed. They're being missed because everyone is doing the, the look. It's the idea of not appearing racist, but not actually doing anything to not be racist. I appreciate that so much. Um, and, and at the start of the show, when I, I didn't even know this was going to come up when I was talking about how you make me think critically about things this is exactly what I'm talking about. If y'all have not read Shakia's work, you need to do that. We will post some of the links to her work in our show notes, but I, I appreciate that perspective. And I, I agree. MLB has a lot of work to do. I mean, I think that when I look the black player percentage demographics, and again, they are not perfect. They don't account for Afro Latino players and other things. Um, it's like 8% while all of the other leagues have much higher percentages and that that tells you that athletes are not choosing baseball and there are reasons for that there are systemic reasons that athletes are not choosing baseball and if MLB wants to be better at this they they need to address those they need to do some serious work there and I hope that they will I hope that 
they're moving in that direction. But I, I understand why people may not feel like they're going to do that or trust them to do that. Because frankly, they haven't proven themselves very trustworthy here. I 100% am so happy that I passed that question off to you, Shakia, because that is exactly what people need to hear. And they need to understand it from a different perspective, because I myself, and I'll admit, I was happy to see them post that. But digging deeper, yeah, I mean, 100% I'm with you on this. I it was It was definitely something that you know that there's so much more that needs to be done. We need some substance to this. We need more action. The words are nice and pretty. Like you said, we're putting a pretty little bow on opening day, but there needs to be more more involvement, more actual things being done. So I so much appreciate you sharing that with us because that honestly, you just educated a whole bunch of people. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I mean, I don't want to like take the wind out of anybody's sails who's like, yes, they're doing something because absolutely it is okay to be like, yes, something because something is better than nothing. But at the same time, you know, we got to keep pushing. We got to, we got to be as loud as Cubs fans have been about Comcast and Marquee. Like keep, keep pushing. Let's, let's, let's move the conversation. Um, I, I mean, again, it's a, it's a wild time in the world right now. And, and so, you know, I, I'm trying to, you know, provide a little bit of, we don't have to take everything seriously, but let's take this a little more seriously than images online and things that look good because these players are people. And you can tell, you know, with the Bruce Maxwell story, yes. you all are familiar with this. Oh, yeah. Like, there is a lot of conflict within the league that these images don't address that, you know, I'm hoping there's some work being, some real work being done behind the scenes, but only time will tell. Uh, 100% on all of that. And and I appreciate you reminding us that we need to, we need to do better and push here. My kingdom for a world where Chicago Cubs fans care as much about racism as they care about their ability to access marquee sports network. I was actually thinking that as soon as she said that I was like (laughs) that, you know, if only we could get them to care as much about the other stuff as they do about marquee. 100%. Um, Speaking of making history tonight, and this might get a little controversial too, because frankly, like this is another place where MLB has a ton of work to do. Uh, Alyssa Nakin made history on Monday night and I almost lost it when this came across my Twitter feed. I was so excited when she was put in to coach first base during the Giants exhibition game against the Athletics. And it was so wild to watch this happen. I actually rewatched the game to see what their reaction was real time. And the thing that was crazy about it is some of the broadcasters just like didn't even note that this had happened. Like the cameraman was panning like, hey guys, there's a woman coaching first base this is not a thing that's happened before. And they're just like talking about random stuff. And it's almost like they had to be nudged or something, but when they got to it, they were great. I, Andy, I know you had all the feels about this one. What <sighs> you think? I don't judge me if I start crying because seriously, you guys, when I saw that French braid on first base talking to the player, Oh my gosh, I, I lost it. I absolutely lost it. What a huge moment that was like, that was 
just I, I can picture it still right now. I'll be able to picture this for the rest of my life. I called all my kids in. I'm like, you guys, look at this. This is the coolest thing ever. See what you can do. See what you can do. So yeah, I, I definitely, I'm going to get choked up here, but <laughs> that was such a cool thing. And this woman is so talented. She, you know, she started with the San Francisco Giants as an intern in 2014. She is a softball hit player. Of course, you know, I have a major soft spot in my heart for softball. I mean, just, she, you know, went and got her master's in sports management and she was also working as the chief information officer for the San Francisco Giants when she was doing that. Talk about a success story. This woman has worked her butt off to get to where she is. Unfortunately, she will not be in the dugout during the season because they have a seven coach limit and she's eight, believe it or not. Yeah, I know. I know. But she has already made such a huge difference in how women are portrayed in baseball and just like the small amount of people that took notice to this. I promise you, you know, the Rachel Foldens of the world are up and coming They're, I mean, they're not going away. They're only, there's only going to be more. And she just opened a door. Actually, she kicked that damn door open and here they come because that was freaking awesome. Like, I just hope that we get to see it another time soon because seriously, I, my heart was broken when I read that she would not be in the dugout. I'm like, no, we just got her. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I had not read that. Now I'm, I'm like, I'm kind of, this is, this has rained on my parade. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. No, I always okay. do that. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I was actually, I'm glad you brought up Rachel Folden because I was thinking about our conversation with Rachel this off season when I saw that image and I remembered her talking about how important it was for little girls to see girls doing this work that she understood and recognized how important that was as a moment for girls like your daughters, Andy, to look at the TV and see a woman instructing hitters on how to hit or coaching first base or realizing that that is a place where they have work that they can do. Um, Shakia, what did you think of this one? Um, Okay. I actually was really into the French braid. Um, it's funny, Andy mentioned it because that was the moment for me. Um, I saw a picture and it was just her back and she's turned to, her head is slightly turned to the side and the French braid is coming. And I didn't say anything, but I fist pumped. Like it was, <laughs> it was one of those moments where you're like, yes. Like that was, that was my, my entire reaction. Like I wasn't, I don't know, like I truly believe that we are at a crossroads and we are at a turning point where women are like, you either let me in or I'm coming in. And that is the attitude that we need to have. And she is obviously a pioneer and this is fantastic. And, you know, like, I don't understand why the Giants, you know how they have their whole like forever giant. Can we get some forever French braid merch? Like, all in on that. Like this is a moment that they should be pushing out there. We should, we should, we should have shirts with her on them. I know, you know, people don't really get into coaches like that, but this is a huge, huge deal. And, and remember I wrote on Ashton Lansdale, this is the beginning to Ashton Lansdale's ascent right here. Like she says that she wants to be just like Javier Baez. And this opens the door for her. This opens the door for so many, so many opportunities for women and girls. And 
MLB needs to capitalize on it by getting more women there, involve women in the organizations. Look at how big this is. I'm excited about it. And I don't even care about the Giants in any way. (laughs) But um, you you all, that French braid, that was the moment. I was like, oh, her ponytail. (laughs) Okay, I I just had a really good idea. You know how they have that stupid hair under hats? They should start making Giants hats with that French braid coming off the back. How cool would that be? Like have little girls wear that? Like, yes, I can be a coach. Look at my hair. Look, I look just like her. How cool would that be? I mean, I'm pretty sure there's tons of things that rhyme with her name that, I mean, we could we could just crank out shirts, just crank them out and donate some money to little girls playing baseball or something. Like, oh my giants, I'm giving you ideas here. Take notes, I- people. <laughs> up the shirt thing for two reasons one I tweeted that night after I saw it at our friends at obvious shirts and just sort of said like get me a shirt with the names of women coaches on it and that's actually kind of spiraled into a thing it's not a done deal yet but they're they're looking into it there are some connections that have been made a friend of the show Rachel Folden is working on that a little bit so fingers crossed that that comes to fruition I will buy multiple cuts of whatever shirt they wind up with that would be so cool. I also saw calls on Twitter for knocking jerseys, uh, just like straight up, like just, I would buy that jersey. I and, and I'm like, Shakia, I do not care about the San Francisco Giants. They're not my team. I don't have any like feelings about them one way or the other. Not really a fan of Gabe Kapler. So that's a mark against them. But he's only been there a hot minute. And I don't think he'll last very long. I would buy a San Francisco Giants knocking jersey. One hundred percent, take my money. You're yeah. rocking with knocking. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes, I'd wear that too. <laughs> oh my god! I just okay. said that. Like that wasn't like something that I thought about or pre-planned. I just asked if you were rocking with knocking, and I think we have a winner there. Yeah, I'm, I'm wearing it. Let's let's do it. Come, people, get on this. There's a whole. <laughs> segment of women sports fans who have been waiting for this for ages like let's celebrate this this moment there is a very real need for proper women's sports apparel while we're here like (laughs) a real need a real need like somebody who actually knows what we're shaped like and that we aren't all built the same and that somebody who may be big in one place isn't big in all the places or small in one place and (laughs) You know, like, let's get some proper women's sports apparel. It doesn't have to be pink or sparkly or, you know, (laughs) we don't have to refer to whatever man is in our lives. Like, come on, people. It's get out of whatever year you're in and step forward. I am so here for all of that. I mean, I I think I tweet something at people, various different accounts about women's cuts, like all the time. Last year, my big thing was um, they started making Javi's jerseys with the diacritical mark, with the accent mark over the A, but only for men. And I was furious about it. I was just like, I am not buying another jersey from MLB until they put the accent mark on women's cuts. This is insane. Yeah, but can you can you name other players on the team? No, that's why they didn't put it on your jersey. That is how men act. Like, oh, uh, yeah. you don't need yeah. it. Like, it's so obnoxious. Just keep it equal. Just keep it equal. If one jersey is available for men, make it available. For, in fact, why don't we just not gender them at all? 
let's just make jerseys of varying cuts and let people who want to buy them purchase them. Because oh my God. Yes. I've seen some some guys out in jerseys that are absolutely women's cuts because they look better. So if we're all wearing our clothes a little more fitted now. So let's 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 get into the fashion. Take away the gender, make apparel of varying sizes and colors for anyone who wants it because why do we need that like why does it matter why wouldn't you correct a women's jersey that made me so mad i'm sorry like why would you not correct the women's jersey but spell his name right on the men's jersey oh yeah because they just think we don't care and we don't notice and like that we don't exactly that like we don't know enough to care about that and frankly like if i'm gonna be really honest because they probably had a lot of extra stock and they were like well we have to sell all of this before we can create new ones um but honestly that was that was ridiculous and i'm so glad they finally fixed it i actually bought like this is this is confessional time people who listen to this show will understand how much this means i bought a javi baez jersey before a wilson Contreras jersey just to because i was so glad that the accent mark was on the name uh but Wilson is still my favorite. Um, so let's just be real clear about that. All right. We're running a little long today, but y'all are just getting some extra content because there's so much news. Our last topic for this episode of Cup of Cubby Blue, there are going to be expanded playoffs in 2020. And I am so stunned that this came together, mainly because MLB and the MLB Players Association don't seem to agree on anything these days. So the fact that they got a deal done on this with 24 hours to go, in before opening day just like blew my mind now admittedly the pandemic is probably going to interfere and we're not going to get to the playoffs at all but if we do get to the playoffs there will be eight teams from the al eight teams from the nl the first and second team in each division will automatically qualify and then there will be two wild cards it will be seeded by record and the Teams will play one three-game series where all of the games are at the home park of the higher seed, and then that will advance to a five-game series, and that will advance to a seven-game series. Andy, what do you think about expanded playoffs? So you're saying there's a chance we make the playoffs this year? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and I'm saying that chance got better, actually, because this definitely helps the Cubs. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. I'm like, yes! I'm sorry. That's a horrible joke that I had to make, but I mean, it it probably in all reality is not a joke. I mean, that probably gives us the best shot of making the playoffs this year. The only problem I see with this is there's going to be a whole lot of asterisks next to the teams that make the playoffs this, this year. You know what I mean? Like next year, I live in St. Louis so the Cubs make the playoffs and it's all it's going to be is, well, you only made the playoffs because half the teams make the playoffs, that sort of thing, which it's fine. You know, I, I've, I've dealt with much worse, but to me that, that is, that's going to be, I don't want to say it's going to be an issue with me, but it's definitely going to be in the back of my mind. Like, do we really deserve to be here? I guess the only thing that matters after that point is how you play in the playoffs, but I don't know. I, I like it and I don't. So I guess if we get to this point, hoping that we get to this point, that all goes well, I, you know, it'll be really interesting to see how it all goes down having so many teams. I just don't know what you have left once you get to the World Series with, you know, having played so many games up to that point. So I guess it is almost the same as far as how many games you would play. But I don't know. It just feels really long. Like, it feels like playoffs is it, are going to be a whole nother season on its own. So, I mean, like I said, I'm excited about it because the Cubs have a much better chance of making the playoffs. 
But at the same time, I just, I don't know. Is it going to lose its its thrill? Probably not. But it, it feels like that could be a factor. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong that this adds a lot onto the season. If you have a 60-game season and you have a 15-game playoff stretch, that is that is like 25%. This is like much more of a NHL model than it has ever been an MLB model. It definitely... I know that there will be asterisks on everything this season. I'm just kind of over it. If the season actually gets played, like we're just going to have to all know that this season was totally different and interrupted in weird ways that nobody could have accounted for. And and that's just it. Like if there's a 400 hitter, I mean, obviously there's a mark next to that. And that is what it is. If the playoffs happen and, you know, you didn't have to play anybody in a different league or whatever, that is what it is. It's just always going to be the pandemic baseball season, which is part of why I'm so fascinated with how this is going to play out. Shakia, what did you think when you saw the expanded playoff news? Well, in true 2020 fashion, I just was like, oh, bring on the chaos, because that's (laughs) what it is. Um, Baseball is already extremely random. And the deeper you get into a season, no matter how many games you're playing, it's, you know, it it starts to get even more outrageous. It starts to get even more chaotic. So I think what's going to happen if we get that far in the season, I said it again, yes, is it's just going to, it's going to be chaos. There's going to be a low you know, a team that isn't exactly expected to do much, who just something leans their way. That's how baseball is. All it takes is one event to lean your way and you're in. So I'm I'm not necessarily excited about it, but bring on the chaos, baby. 2020 pandemic baseball, chaos. <laughs> chaos. Chaos. I mean, I tweeted last night after watching Wilson Contreras hit two home runs against the Twins that he's going to hit 20 home runs in 60 games, which to put this in perspective, no current player on the Cubs has ever hit 20 home runs in 60 games. So he would have to go on an exceptional tear to do that. But he looks just so locked in that I think that that could actually happen. And I think that that's the type of chaos that we're going to be in for for the next 60 games. And what's going to be incredible is with the expanded playoff format, when we get to August 31st, which is supposed to be the trade deadline, I think 80% of the league is going to see a path for them to get to the playoffs. It's really hard to start trading people or like, you know, sell your assets when you've got a shot at the playoffs. I think that this is going to make the trade deadline a really different experience and it's going to put pressure particularly on a team like the Cubs. You know, the Cubs have this core that the fan base loves. And I think that in a non-expanded playoff season, if the Cubs looked like they were like right around 500, there's a lot of pressure on the front office and Theo Epstein to trade and sell at the deadline. And now I just, I think that pressure is going to be a lot less. I think that there's going to be a path for them to get in, even if they haven't totally caught fire. And I'm curious how front offices and general managers are going to approach this. We will have all of that as pandemic baseball season kicks off tonight, every day, every week on Cup of Cubby Blue. Uh, Shakia, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you and find your work? Usually on Twitter at Curly Fro. My most active hour is 3 a.m. 
Um, my writing, <laughs> my writing can be found if you're looking for uh, like just links to direct you to anything. Bourbonandcookies.com on the read page. The listen page is where I link all the podcasts I've been on. Um, I'm I'm on all social media, I guess. Find me, come say hello. I'm around. And once we get out of the pandemic, uh, hanging at Nisei Lounge, watching day baseball with me. Oh yes, the good old days. Oh my oh, and me and me sometimes too. <laughs> when, when Andy is in town, very occasionally. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, one of these days we will get back to Nisei Lounge to watch some day baseball. In the meantime, we're all on our couch watching pandemic baseball, and it looks like Yankees at Nationals is happening, at least according to my screen right now. Until then, I am at BCB underscore Sarah. Andy is at BRYZ underscore Blue. You can find both of us at, at Cup of Cubby Blue, and the Cubs are back, so we are too. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>